This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Bluehost. Try the number one recommended web hosting provider. With plans starting at just $3.95 a month, you'll get a free domain, free site builder, easy one-click WordPress installs, and 24-7 support. But what's just as impressive as what you get is what you don't get, as there's no contracts, no hidden fees, and no gimmicks. Go check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash Bluehost. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational, to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 135, entitled why you need to build an email list for your lawn care business. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, as always, and sending those questions and comments in. Uh, And for this week, um, I wanted to uh, do a solo episode, seeing as, you know, the start of 2018 of course, is well underway. Uh, We're almost into February now. And with that, uh, spring is literally, you know, around the corner. Uh, You know, in the next couple of months uh, here in North America, at least we'll be all back to uh, mowing and, uh, you know, the daily uh, landscaping and lawn care, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff uh, that we're all, you know, eagerly anticipating. Uh, so I wanted to talk about um, building an email list for your business and why I think uh, that's important and how I've used, um, you know, my email list in the past and some of the neat benefits that you get from uh, having an email list. So before I do that, uh, I just want to talk about uh, the Lawn Care Business Success uh, YouTube channel uh, and just wanted to, uh, of course, uh, urge all of you, if you haven't already, uh, to head over there and uh, subscribe to the channel. Now, uh, I'm doing a a bit of a push on this, if you haven't noticed, in uh, social media, Instagram and that, if you're following me there. And that's because, um, if you haven't heard already that YouTube, uh, has sort of changed their, uh, YouTube partner programs, uh, and the rules, uh, as far as, uh, being able to monetize your channel and get some other, uh, benefits, uh, in the partner program on what you can do, uh, with your channel. And, uh, what they've done is they've raised the, uh, limits, um, to be accepted into that program. Uh, so the, the channel currently, uh, is accepted into the program. Um, but as of February 20th, um, it will no longer be uh, part of the YouTube partner program because it doesn't meet those, uh, eligibility, the new eligibility requirements. So unfortunately YouTube is, uh, uh, no, not just making this for new content creators, but even ones that are already existing YouTube partner program um, members, um, they're basically kicking them out of the partner program. 
So what you need going forward is 1,000 subscribers and at least 4,000 hours of watch time on your channel. Um, now, my channel um, actually has well over the required number of watch hours. <clears throat> so all I am short uh, to keep my YouTube partner program status and all of the benefits, including monetization that come along with that is just getting my subscriber count to uh, over a thousand. Uh, and currently, as of today, uh, I'm sitting at about 775 subscribers. So only 225 subscribers short. Uh, now that doesn't sound like a lot, but in uh, YouTube uh, world, when you've uh, got a small channel and you're starting out, uh, it uh, you know getting to your first thousand um, is quite uh, the task. Um, I it's been t uh, sort of said and talked about that your first hundred is hard, and then your first one thousand is the hardest. After that, uh, things just kind of uh, start to uh, snowball on their own, and you sort of work off that momentum. But up to that thousand can be tough. Um, and I think the most subscribers that I've gotten in one month, um, is around, uh, 50, uh, or 56 or something like that in one month. So to hit, you know, 225 that are required in less than, uh, you know, 30 days now, um, you know, if I'm being honest, it's probably not going to happen, but it's something that, uh, you know, just a mindset shift in saying, you know what, that doesn't mean that you can't try. Um, so, you know, basically pulling out all the stops and trying to uh, build a, uh, you know, an audience there. Uh, so that's why I say I urge you guys to head on over there and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, of course, uh, you know, it goes without saying that I would uh, really appreciate, uh, that. Like I said, I've got the watch hours. I just need, uh, the actual subscriber count to be above, uh, 1000 by February 20th. Um, so like I said, uh, you know, I just wanted to share that because, um, you know, you can, if you're on YouTube lately, um, there's tons of videos popping up of people complaining about, the new YouTube changes and all that. And it's easy to see that negativity, that negative mindset working with these people. And when you actually break down, um, you know, some of the reasons for why YouTube is doing this, it's actually a good thing. Um, and it will actually help content creators in the future because, you know, up till this point, there's no requirement uh, for really being part of the partner program. You can start up a channel, uh, click to join, and you know you're uh, instantly monetized. And this is creating uh, channels that are, uh, you know, uh, ripping off content from other. Uh, like literally, we've seen channels where they're just stealing videos from other people's uh, YouTube channels and putting them in, and uh, you know, getting uh, basically getting that monetization for those, that content that they haven't created, basically getting monetization for away from the actual original content creator by copying their uh, content like that. Uh, you, we've seen, you know, the clickbait type, um, videos where a title or thumbnail will be, 
you know, depicting something or saying that you're going to, um, you know, get some sort of a, uh, you know, benefit or something that you're looking for that is attracting you to watch that video. And then you watch the video and nothing there is mentioned and you end up, you know, right away, you end up, you know, within a few seconds or something, uh, stopping the video and, and going out. Um, so that's why, YouTube is making these changes now with the um, monetization and the partner program because it's focusing in on channels that are, um, you know, have built an audience and where YouTube now is focusing in on watch time versus views because views don't really mean anything um, because you can have a video like that that's clickbait. And is promising you some sort of feature or benefit from watching that, uh, video, uh, whether through the title or the thumbnail and you go to click on it and you can tell right away it has nothing to do with what they were talking about. And it will, you know, you click off right away. So the, the click doesn't mean anything, but for that person who made that video, that's all they want. They want you to click on it so that they get that ad at the front of the, um, you know, video and they get paid for having that ad in front of the video. They don't care if you don't watch the video. They just care that you clicked on it. So going forward, you know, having monetization only on videos that, uh, or on channels that not only have a thousand subscribers, but also the 4,000 hours of watch time means that people are watching the videos that are put up on that channel you know, they're finding value in it, not only to subscribe, but they're watching those videos all the way through, which is building that watch time. So, you know, these are the real reasons people think it's because of other things that have happened. And, you know, to an extent, some things have triggered, um, you know, like bad content and bad uh, creators and, um, you know, some uh, just crazy stuff, some crazy channels and things and videos that uh, we won't get into. And of course, that has, um, you know, made uh, advertisers scared with the YouTube platform. Because they don't want their ads being placed on content that is uh, potentially offensive to their viewers. And basically, it basically looks like they're sponsoring that content. So that, you know, sort of triggered the whole, all these changes over the past uh, year or so with YouTube changing the whole monetization process, uh, how you apply, how your uh, channel qualifies, and cleaning house of channels that, um, had, uh, you know, uh, questionable content, we'll say. So I have no objections with, uh, that part of it. And to that extent, I can even understand why YouTube would, um, you know, go back then and even, you know, kick people who are already in the partner program, such as myself, out of it if we don't meet certain thresholds. Because if you think about YouTube and the, you know, the probably millions of channels that are on YouTube and the new ones that are being created every day, it would just be way too labor intensive for them to have to go through every channel and watch videos and see if 
that complies for all these smaller little tiny channels, which, um, from what I read, make up, you know, probably between 80 and 90% of all of YouTube are channels with less than, uh, 1000 subscribers, uh, because a lot of people will make channels, they'll make a few videos, they will um, abandon those channels. There's like literally millions of channels sitting there, um, and it would just be way too labor intensive to go through them. So by putting those, um, you know, numbers in there, it will only increase the quality of the YouTube content creators, what they're putting out. Um, and of course, that doesn't mean that you can't have a channel. Um, you know, YouTube is still completely open to anybody who wants to put a channel. It just means that to get ad revenue and some other perks, um, you know, some of the other things that you're allowed to do, um, in the partner program, like having, a um, you know, a domain sort of name, like, uh, youtube.com slash and your username as your channel address and stuff, you know, is all part of that partner program. Uh, luckily for those in the partner program already, they're not taking away those perks. They're just taking away the monetization part of it until we hit those numbers. And then, um, you know, they'll reevaluate. But like I said, there's probably, you know, a ton of videos out there. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen them about people complaining about this and hearing. And like I said, it applies not only to, um, you know, the YouTube part of it, but I, why well, I thought I would talk about this a little bit. And I don't want to be, uh, ironically talking clickbait, uh, and having a, uh, you know, a, uh, episode on, uh, building an email list for your lawn care and then spending, uh, a bunch of time talking about, uh, the YouTube, uh, changes. Uh, but why I thought this was important to talk about, uh, is just because of that mindset shift. It's a, a clear example, and it doesn't matter whether you're in a lawn care business, um, or, you know, whatever you're trying to do, building a YouTube channel, whatever it is, to have, you know, something happen that changes and, you know, you, look at it in a negative. There's so many videos that I've seen where people are saying, that's it. I'm quitting YouTube. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and it's so easy to go down that path. But my mindset was, well, what do I do differently then to get those 1000 subscribers? Can I use this as an opportunity Instead of as the sky is falling mentality. So what I decided to do was I was looking at myself going, because ultimately when you're faced with an issue, when you're faced with a problem in your life, when you're faced with an obstacle that you're looking to get past, you, you know, you may seem like you plateaued. You may seem like you're stuck. And the only thing that you can do is look at yourself and go, why is this not working? And, or why is this not growing? Or what is the issue? So for me, I started looking into, you know, building a YouTube channel, watching videos on building YouTube channels. What are the types of things? And the number one you know, thing that I kept seeing that overwhelming theme 
is something that I already know so well. I've done this with my podcast, but I wasn't doing it with YouTube. And that is consistency. Have a schedule. Put out videos at a, you know, certain day of the week. If you're going to do, you know, commit to doing one video a week, two videos a week, three videos, whatever it is that you want to do, but just commit to doing it and get it done. No excuses. And this is something that I talk about all the time with the podcast. So it's kind of funny how with something else you can slip and, you know, not have that same mentality. And, you know, when I would think about YouTube, I would think about, okay, well, what is it about YouTube that, you know, holds me back with making videos? And one of the things was being shy in front of the camera. Another thing was just to get quality YouTube videos, you need the lighting, you need the sound quality, at least for me, I don't like, you know, putting out stuff that isn't, that doesn't sound good, um, or where the video quality isn't good because that's the sort of stuff that I like to watch. I like to watch stuff where the audio is good, where the sound or where the video is clear. Um, so, you know, that's what was kind of holding me back. Also, having to set up or tear down lights or things like that. So I needed to do some changes. So over, I'm sure you guys have seen, if you have watched my videos, a lot of them I've been doing now in uh, my garage uh, with my, uh, you know, shelves on the background with some products on the back. And I sort of, I set that up and I also built myself a new table in front and, and all this stuff. But if you go into my garage now, you'll see this area and it's just always set up. I have, you know, the tripod is always there. The lights, the video lights are always there. And even the boom stand with the uh, shotgun microphone, um, which normally in the video you wouldn't see, but it sits basically over my head, um, is always there. It's always set up. And to this point, I've been filming all of my videos on my iPhone 7. So the only thing I need to do to do a video now is go into the garage, turn on the lights, put my phone into the tripod and plug in the microphone. And basically, you know, there's a few more things that I do, but that's basically the gist of it. So that cut the excuses of, well, I got to set this up. I got to set that up. Well, I don't because it's already set up for me, at least, you know, this is that part of it. The other thing was, as I mentioned, there was being uncomfortable in front of the camera. Uh, and it's always like, eh, you know, I don't feel like going in front of the camera. I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, all the excuses you tell yourself. So when this, you know, and and if you see the setup that I did with the table and the benches and all that, that started before Christmas. I started to do a few videos through Christmas, uh, with that, um, you know, and, and was posting, you know, a little bit there. 
then these changes hit that YouTube did. And it was literally like a kick in the pants, a wake up call. And like I said, instead of having that negative mindset that you see so many other people have with their YouTube videos that they've been putting out um, about the changes. And I'm not talking, just to be clear, I'm not talking uh, in the landscape industry. I'm talking on YouTube in general. Um, you know, I've been uh, searching up videos on some of the changes. So that may be why they're popping up on my feed. Uh, but it's just a whole bunch of videos of people talking about, um, you know, those changes. So, and most of them are always so negative. So like I said, instead of having that mentality, I thought to myself, well, you know, can I turn this into an opportunity? And what's my biggest challenge with YouTube videos? Well, it's being comfortable in front of the camera. And what have I learned about YouTube and building an audience? Well, it's that being consistent and putting out regular videos will attract more subscribers. So what could I do between now and February 20th that would A, help me build subscribers and B, help me get comfortable in front of the camera? Well, both those equal the same answer and that's do more videos. So if you haven't noticed, if you do follow me or subscribe to my YouTube channel, you would have seen that last week um, and the prior week, um, I started putting out a ton of videos. Um, and I was going, actually going for a video a day, um, Monday through Friday. And I figured what better way? Uh, now, when you break this down, it's actually only four videos a week because the Tuesday video is always the podcast, the YouTube podcast uh, version or the version of the podcast on YouTube. But on the Monday, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was posting original videos, whether reviews uh, or just tips, uh, content, but getting it to uh, that point of trying to just get in front of the camera every day, make a video, put it out. The more content that gets out, the more subscribers, the more, uh, you know, content that goes out, the more comfortable, the more videos I make, the more comfortable I'll be in front of the camera. So like I said, this video is, or this, uh, little rant here isn't so much about the, you know, woe is me. I'm losing my, um, YouTube partner program status, uh, and losing monetization on the channel. Um, because reality is, is that, you know, currently at 775 subscribers on the channel, you know, 225 subscribers left till I hit that thousand. If I don't hit it by February 20th, then, you know, maybe by March 20th, if not by March 20th, maybe by April 20th, you know, eventually it's going to hit. Um, and then, you know, the channel gets reestablished. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. Of course, I would prefer not to be, uh, you know, downgraded and then have to reapply and all that sort of stuff after. So that's why obviously I would appreciate if you guys were to, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, 
Um, you know, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the content that I create, you know, share the channel with your peers. Um, you know, get the word out there, um, on social media and stuff to share the channel to, uh, try to drive up those subscribers past that 1000. You know, at this point, that would be, you know, the best thing for the channel, uh, to help the channel grow, uh, of course. Um, but also, you know, like I say, if you do receive value, um, from the content that I receive, it would be very much appreciated. So I'm just going to play the podcast announcements because I just noticed that this rant went, uh, uh, a lot longer than I was expecting. So I apologize for that. Um, but we'll get into, uh, the email building for your lawn care business, uh, right after this. So stay tuned. Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. And while you're there, why not join my mailing list and get access to a free PDF document of a landscape maintenance contract you can feel free to copy and use in your own business. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do. So I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and two free audiobooks of your choice. There's no long-term commitments and you can cancel any time. And get this. Even if you cancel during your free trial period, you still get to keep the two free audiobooks. It's a great way to try the service and to see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash Audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so before the break, um, you know, before the rant there, uh, I was mentioning uh, that uh, obviously this episode is supposed to be about... Uh, why you need an email list for your lawn care business. And, you know, the, like I said uh, earlier, the reason I thought this was important or why I wanted to talk about that this episode, uh, was because, um, you know, we are at the beginning, um, you know, of 2018. The spring season is coming up. And with that, uh, your interactions with clients, um, will be, more regular. So, you know, up to this point, if you're anything like me or my business, you know, the phone is pretty silent at the moment, get the occasional call, um, from people inquiring about lawn care and stuff, but still not on a regular basis. I found over the past years that, you know, if the weather is bad outside, um, like it is here, um, you know, you might be dealing with snow and stuff, then obviously, you know, your calls for lawn care and stuff are going to be pretty minimal. Um, here, you know, it's, it's raining a lot this time of year. So people just aren't going outside. It's when the, the weather breaks and the sun starts to shine that, you know, people start going outside and they start noticing what needs to be done, uh, for, you know, the spring and the summer. And that's when the phone will start to explode. Um, so like I said, I wanted to get into this early so that you have the mindset. You start thinking about, uh, this going into this season, if you're just starting out and if you're not, uh, and you're an established, um, 
you know, lawn care business, but you haven't collected emails from your clients and from every call going forward, you know, why you should be doing this. So what I do uh, when I am uh, doing any new lead, uh, any new call that comes in, any, uh, you know, inquiry uh, or, you know, request for a free estimate that comes in off my website. With the website, it's easy because when they fill out the form to request, um, you know, a free estimate, obviously there's a, their email address has to be inputted before it lets them submit that uh, request. So I gather their emails that way. If it's over the phone, then, and I'm talking to somebody and they want me to go do a quote and they want me to, um, you know, give them an estimate. A lot of times, you know, when I go do an estimate, that person isn't around and they just want me to have a walk around their property and stuff. And so that's another very easy way to collect emails because I'll say, I will email you the estimate. So everybody, every client that I talk to, whether they're new or old, I collect their email addresses. And for my, you know, existing clients, uh, the ones that didn't have, uh, I didn't have emails for, I just asked outright for their email addresses so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And all but one, um, and you would think, you know, with a lot of, uh, older clients, which, you know, a lot of lawn care businesses tend to have, uh, a lot of older clients that can no longer maintain their own lawns that, you know, they're not internet savvy, that they don't have, uh, email and stuff, but you would be surprised. Um, and like I said, when I went and decided to, you know, start building a list, an email list, um, and I went to all of my clients who I, you know, uh, had, but never collected their emails from. And I asked them all, but one didn't have an email list. So, you know, I got the email from every single client, except for this one single, uh, uh, you know, little classic, little old lady. Um, and she wasn't, um, you know, a special case or anything because I have a bunch of little old ladies, some a lot older than this particular client. Um, and they have email. It was just that this, you know, particular client just never got email was never, it was not computer savvy. Um, but all of these others that, you know, I thought, you know, uh, when I originally was thinking about doing this, that there's no way I'm going to be able to get my full, um, you know, email for every single client and talking with other people, other lawn care businesses that, you know, when I was talking about this idea of collecting the email addresses of everybody, you know, I remember them saying, oh, there's no way. Like my, I bet you half my clients don't have email. They're all older and stuff. And there was no difference between his clients and my clients we had sort of the same demographic, um, but I decided to try it. And like I said, lo and behold, only one client didn't have an email address. So you would surprise yourself. I would definitely 
give it a shot and trying. So now what are the benefits of, um, you know, having that email list? Well, one of the things uh, that I used to do every, uh, you know, just before the spring. So around this time of year in February, I would go through my list of clients from last year and I would call them up because I haven't talked to them for a few months. And basically I would just confirm service with them for the following year. And I would get a hold of some of them, but a lot of them I wouldn't be able to get a hold of. They were always just never home. I would leave a message, but people are busy. You don't hear back from them. It's not exactly lawn care cutting time at the moment. So people aren't in a rush to get back to you. Um, and so, you know, and it's a bit of an inconvenience to, you know, if you haven't got a hold of them, for them to then go and pick up the phone and give you a call back, you know, going out of their way to do that. And for me, making lawn care simple for my clients is one of the things I've always focused on, is how can I make it so that they really don't need to do anything, you know, um, except in the case of the clients where I collect grass clippings. Uh, I think I've explained here where the city will pick up all the green waste every week on garbage day and they have special bins that each house can put green waste into. Uh, so when I'm done mowing a lawn, I dump all their grass clippings into that bin uh, and I usually have it so that uh, my mowing schedule is in the neighborhoods the day before their particular mowing day or their particular garbage day so that when I'm done mowing, I put the grass in their clippings and I roll their that cart right up to the curb uh, so the client doesn't have to do that. And then the garbage truck comes the next day, picks it up, and all they need to do is roll that cart in the same as they do with their garbage can. So, you know, and then from billing to doing everything on credit cards so that they don't have to write checks, they don't have to uh, even go to a website and submit their payment or anything like that. It's just all automatically done for them. They get a copy of their invoice the next week that I'm there. You know, their credit card's already been charged. Very simple lawn care. Uh, you know, like no effort on the customer's part. So I try to make that simple for them. And this was just an extension of that. Having to, you know, leave a message for a client to confirm, you know, whether they're still around, where, whether they've sold their house and, you know, they still need me to mow their lawn uh, and all that. This was just an extension of that, of saying, you know, what can I do to make this easier? Because not only is it a pain for me to go through my list and phone every single client, but it's also a pain for them to have to call me back. Uh, and then it's a pain for me to have to answer the phone in the evening and stuff when they're there uh, and, you know, probably calling me back. So how can I make this simpler? And having an email list was the simplest way to do it. Now, going a step beyond here, and now, 
you may think, well, email is a ton of work. You know, I'm not going to go out there and write an email for every single client and send it to that one, then go to the next one. Even if I'm copying and pasting the same thing, it's still a ton of work to go in and write these emails. Well, this is where using a service like MailChimp uh, is fantastic. So MailChimp um, is an email list service. Um and uh, it's free to use up to 2,000 emails. Uh, not per, like emails as in individual emails that you write, but email uh, addresses on your list. So up, you can have up to 2,000 email addresses. So essentially, you can have up to 2,000 clients uh, in your MailChimp, and it's free to use. Above 2,000, so if you're a huge, you know, massive company that maybe does, um, you know, application treatments and you've got, you know, 5,000 clients with multiple crews going out just doing that, then you would have to pay for the next tiers of MailChimp to use this. But if you're a small lawn care business that has maybe a hundred clients, um, or a few hundred clients, up to 2000 then MailChimp is absolutely free to use. So what it lets you do is you have to go in essentially first and manually enter all those emails for those clients. So you fill in all that information. Um, there may be even ways where you can import contacts into that, um, but I haven't looked into that. But I, uh, you know, I've always just done it manually um, because it's, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, you can, of course, have, like you'll see on the internet, um, you know, things on your website where people can join uh, your email list. But for this purpose, um, you know, I think you're just more, uh, it's more of a realistic um, thing to say that we'll just enter the addresses manually. And of course, there's a whole bunch of, um, rules regarding sending emails now um, to cut down on spam and the rules are different for whatever country that you're in. Um, so you want to be mindful of that. You want to look up uh, the rules for your particular country on sending emails. But essentially I would say that, you know, you want to look at that and then what I use it for is instead of calling those clients every spring I just send them an email. So once all your clients are in the MailChimp list, you can come and design a uh, an email to send out bulk to that whole entire list. And you can segment your list into these are my mowing clients, these are my fertilizer only clients, these are my you know uh, hedge trimming clients, uh, and you can send it to all of them, or you can send it into you know those specific groups that you. Uh, select for those uh, particular clients. Uh, and like I said, you can design a plain text email. You can design an HTML email where you have graphics and stuff. And this is usually what I'll do. I'll, I'll have my company logos and everything on there. Um, and I just basically write a one page, you know, it's that time of year again type email. And I'll say something to the effect of, uh, you know, the lawn mowing season will be starting up again, um, you know, and I'll say on such a such a date. Um, and 
I'll say we will automatically uh, we will automatically start the mowing service again for your property starting on such and such a date. Usually I'll say, you know, March 1st or, uh, you know, thing. And, and I'll put in that, you know, this is weather dependent, um, in the sense of, you know, the season, uh, because there's variables. Sometimes the season starts at the beginning of March. Sometimes it doesn't start until the beginning of April. Um, you know, we've been known to have snow here in March. Um, and if I'm sending this email out a few months early, you know, I specify that, that, you know, the season will start any time after March 1st, you know, when the lawns start growing weather dependent. And then I basically say, you know, please let me know if you no longer can uh, require lawn mowing service at your property you know, by such and such a date. And this has been fantastic for me because now instead of spending, you know, those hours on the phone trying to call the customers and then recalling people that I couldn't get a hold of and answering the phone later in the evening and throughout the week and trying to keep tabs on all that. Now I send that email to that client to all the clients that I have and that have serviced last year. And it just says, basically, let me know if you don't want service. So now even the clients that do want service, which is, you know, usually 90%, 99% of that list, they don't have to do anything. It's only the people that want to cancel that need to just inform you that they need to cancel service or that they no longer live there or, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, here's where MailChimp is fantastic, is that it gives you reports. So not only will it let you know, you can go into MailChimp, you can hit that email that you sent, and it'll tell you, you know, all the emails that received that email, if any emails got bounced, uh, or, you know, didn't work. And it'll tell you of the emails that did work, which ones opened that email and which ones haven't. So from there, you know, okay, well, I just sent it to this client, this client's opened it, and they haven't responded. So that means that I'm good to go, that I can start mowing their lawn this season, and so on and so on. Or you'll get, okay, this person opened that email and they, you know, didn't, or they did respond, you know, saying that uh, they don't want uh, their lawn mode this year. Again, win-win for everybody. Very easy to figure out and to uh, not waste any more time. Now, the other um thing where this comes in fantastically is, you know, I've had clients in the past where over the years you may, uh, like I assume, and I, of course we know all the, you know, you shouldn't assume sort of thing, but if a client signs up with me for lawn mowing and they want fertilizing and aerating and all that sort of stuff, I assume 
that for the next year, this is what they want. They want to continue on that uh, same package that they wanted, that they had me do the year before, unless they told me, you know, that they don't want it anymore. So this is another thing that I'll use that email list for, is that, uh, you know, I will say that your email will, or that your lawn mowing service will continue on such or such a date for whatever services or for the exact same services that you had last year. And for the most part, my pricing is always the same. I'm pretty good at pricing. Um, so there's never too much of a need to raise prices, um, because I've got, you know, pretty good at it. So most years the email will say that, you know, your price is the same as last year, the server, and you'll get the same services and such. And where this is nice as well is that I've had clients where, you know, they'll say, I think I had one year where I went and I did a fertilizer for somebody and the client came home just as I was finishing up and they said, what are you doing? And I said, I just put your fertilizer down. And they said, oh, I didn't want fertilizer this year. And she said, you know, you didn't even ask. I said, oh, I sent out an email to you that said that, you know, I was going to do the same services for you this year that you had last year. And the client said, oh, I didn't get that email. But the thing is, is I knew she got the email and I knew she read it. And not only did she read it once, it said she read it three times or at least opened the email three times. So it's one of those things where it just gives you that insight, that extra information of knowing that communication and knowing when customers are maybe uh, playing games with you or something like that, because it shows you that they've opened that email. It shows you that they've read that email. If you have any links on your, in that email, um, like for example, you could put in that email that because MailChimp will keep track of all those links. So if in that email, for example, you put here, you know, we are, um, you know, continuing service this year, doing this and this, and, you know, maybe it's a mowing only client and you could put in that email that he, you know, and just let us know if there's anything else we can help you with, here are some of the services or some of the other services that we also do. And you could have, um, you know, hedge trimming, you know, aeration, uh, cleanups, um, you know, the list goes on and on and just list, you know, all the services that your business offers, but don't just list them in a normal list. Have each of those services as a link back to your website, to the page on your website that explains those services. So on my website, you know, I've got my list of services, but each one of those services is its own website page on my website. So if you click on lawn mowing, you'll see me, uh, or you'll see, you know, pictures of lawns I've mowed. You'll see, um, you know, the policies of, you know, what I offer a weekly lawn mowing only service. Um, you know, I'll talk, it talks about dog waste. It talks about all of the policies related to lawn mowing on that page. 
If you click on head trimming, there'll be pictures of head trimming and some of those. If you talk, you know, if you go to the moss control page, it'll talk about that. If you go to the power raking page, it talks about that. If you go to aeration, it talks about that and has pictures. So, you know, on my website, there's one, you know, page for each service. So in those emails, if I list, you know, here are my other services, I can link them to those individual pages. So why, why does this matter? Because MailChimp tracks all of that. So not only will you see that Mrs. Jones opened your email, you'll see that she also clicked on hedge trimming and went into your website and saw hedge trimming. She hasn't asked you about it. She hasn't, you know, uh, mentioned it, but it's in her mind. She's thinking about getting a hedge trimmed. You know, she clicked on the pruning page. She clicked on the power raking page. You've never done power raking for her. But MailChimp is letting you know that she clicked on those links. So obviously she is interested in those services. So this is something that you can then, you know, talk to her about either in person when you see her or you can send her another email. If she doesn't uh, talk to you or doesn't, you know, um, express vocally that she'd like you to do a quote, you can, you know, email her a week or so later and say, hi, Miss Jones. I just want to touch base with you. Um, I sent out that email last week. Um, you know, my email software is telling me that you saw the email and it's also tell, uh, showing me that you were clicking through uh, on our or looking through our hedge trimming page. Um, is there something you'd like a quote on? Do you want me to quote me, quote you on your hedge trimming? Uh, you know, and it just generates leads that way that you can be proactive. And, you know, a lot of times, like I said, people are busy. Uh, these days and you know they're looking at it they're thinking about it but you know a simple phone call to you or even starting a new email to you sometimes people just don't have the time they're in such a rush i know you know when i think about my days if i'm working all day and then i rush home and i'm getting dinner ready then i gotta get in the car and take my you know one of my kids to whatever you know sport practice they're doing that evening and you know you're in a rush and you look and you might get an email and you think about it and it's like oh I got no time I got to go thing maybe I'll do it when I you know after I drop the kids off and you go to drop the kids off and your mind is elsewhere now and you've completely forgotten about it and then a day goes by two days go it's just the way people are just so busy these days there's so much to do so many activities and 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 things pulling everybody from all different directions so this is just being proactive and this is no different than, you know, if you think about surfing the internet and going to, you know, Amazon and you're searching up, um, you know, say a Bluetooth speaker on Amazon and you're looking at all the Bluetooth speakers and then, uh, but you don't buy anything. And then, you know, a few days later you get an email from Amazon going, Hey, We've got some deals going on, these Bluetooth speakers. You know, it's the same thing. And then you might be surfing the internet and, you know, be reading somebody's blog or something like that. And there'll be some Amazon ads or some Google ads. And they'll be all for Bluetooth speakers. 
It's just that same sort of thinking is that they know you're interested in Bluetooth speakers. Otherwise, you wouldn't be making that first step in searching for them or looking for information on that. But they haven't committed to buying. They haven't, you know, made it vocal yet. So you're just helping them along. You're just saying, hey, here's another opportunity. You may have been busy the last time when, uh, you know, you were looking up hedge trimming on my website. But, you know, here's another opportunity. Is there something you want to quote for? So you're taking the work away from them. They don't need to initiate that email. They don't need to pick up the phone and call you in their busy lives. You're sending another quick email saying, hey, I sent you that email last week. Notice that you were uh, checking out the hedge trimming page on my website. Is there something I can help you with? So just something, you know, that can help you out. Now, of course, this can help, like I said, with all of those quotes you do. You just have to be mindful, like I said, of all of those email rules. And making sure you're not spamming people. So there's specific rules for certain countries on, you know, how long you can contact a customer for. So as long as you're working for a customer, your business is actively working, then there's no issue with you sending that customer emails. If the customer leaves, like decides, you know, they don't need your services anymore, then depending on the country, you know, you can email up to say a year after your last, um, you know, contact with that customer, you're allowed to email up to a year after like the last time you work for that customer, uh, sort of thing. Uh, and then the same with quotes. If somebody who has never hired you, you're still allowed to contact them because they contacted you first. So if they made contact with your company first, inquiring about a, you know, a quote or something like that and never ended up hiring you, you can still have them on your email list up to a certain time. It may be a shorter time, maybe only six months or something like that. Um, depending on the country that you're in. So that's why I'm not going to go into specifics about it because, uh, this podcast is listened to uh, all over the world. So you'd have to inquire about, uh, you know, look it up, uh, for yourself. Just email, uh, spam laws in your, um, or Google email spam laws in whatever country you're in. And you'll see sort of the regulations there. Uh, and basically that's, uh, sort of the rundown on, uh, MailChimp. Now, if you think about this and being able to, you know, even with those customers that don't hire you right away, but being able to within that next, you know, six months to a year, whatever it is to email them offers during that next season, um, or, you know, deals you may, uh, be running on, you know, in your lawn care business for certain things. Maybe you're doing, um, you know, I've talked about this before where, you know, maybe a customer wants to do a junk removal job and they want to hire you and you're going to use your, uh, truck or your trailer to do this, you know, junk removal. You're, they're cleaning out their garage, whatever it is. They want you to haul a bunch of stuff to the dump for them. So this is going to require you emptying out your trailer of all its tools. You're going to, you know, leave them all at home and you're going to take your trailer empty 
to a client's house or your dump truck or whatever it is, and you're going to grab some garbage and you're going to go haul it to that customer. Now you've obviously quoted this job properly. You're going to make, you know, a good, a decent amount of money on this job. So that's not the issue, but you have a lot more space that you could be filling up. So why not try to double down and ask all your other clients and just say, Hey, I've scheduled, I'm doing a junk removal day because that customer's already hired you. So the day is already paid for. So now you say to all of the other clients, you send an email out to all those other clients saying, Hey, I'm doing a junk removal special on such and such day. Let me know if you need anything taken to the dump and you know, I can give you a quote on that. And all you need to do is just tell me where the junk is. If you're going to leave it at the curbside or, you know, leave it under your carport or whatever it is, you know, just let me know where the junk is. Send me a picture of it and I will give you a quote on what it'll cost. And now maybe you pick up another, you know, three, four, five jobs doing junk removal in your neighborhood for that particular day. So now you've filled your trailer and you've made five times the amount of money that you were originally initially going to do. And you're still just going to the same place. You're still just going to the dump. You're making one trip to the dump, but now you're servicing five clients doing it. And it was as easy as sending an email to all those clients. So you can start to see the power of having that email list of being able to communicate, you know, in bulk to those clients and having all those metrics or analytics telling you who opened those emails, what the bounce rate was, what, um, you know, who clicked what links. And you can start to see how powerful that could be even for a little lawn care company. So hopefully you guys got a ton of value out of this episode. Um, I apologize for uh, the first half if you uh, weren't interested in the uh, YouTube rant. Uh, but I really do, um, you know, appreciate uh, if you guys do get the word out on that part of it and helping me build up to that 1,000 uh, subscribers before February 20th. Like I said, it's a long shot, um, you know, the, uh, hail Mary pass, if you will. Um, but you know, it's, uh, worth, uh, taking a shot, um, and having some fun along the way doing it. Uh, so that's it for this week, guys. Uh, here's to wishing you all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now. <laughs>